Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. I'm Alex. And I'm Britton. Back again. It happened again? It happened again. They kept going. Uh, podcasts live tonight. That's that's what I say. <laughs> We're... They they try they're trying to keep us down, guys. Here's the th- here's here's the thing about the government. They're they're trying to. No, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna. Man, that waveform got crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, guys. If you can't tell, we've all started recording a little bit later than we normally do, which I think has led to us being a little loopier mm-hmm. uh, than we normally are. And I hope that's uh, made for good content. But if anybody needed context for why it's just this kind of. Uh, you know chaotic as uh younger folks than i would say yeah we're not quite to the halcyon days of alex and i recording at like mm, 10 p.m from a college dorm um but uh, <laughs> guys, the audio is better now do you guys so. think do you guys think we could record in a college dorm again <laughs> but just as well, all of us are like well away from that just just start knocking on doors hey can we real quick yeah just like two hours all we need we watched scream 4 we just want to d- hop in here real quick uh we'll pay you ten dollars we see you have a poster for the northman so you're probably <laughs> in our demographic oh, you're, you're you're the one <laughs> this is this is what's happening what's this is what up, we're what's looking up? for that guy had a balls of fury poster and alex really wanted to record there but we, uh, tyler <laughs> like, and i had wrong, to kind of wrong wrong vibes we had to keep kind of like oh alex over here look they they have plain crackers over here to kind of like lure him <laughs> <laughs> there's butter cookies but she still won't explain what those are to me <laughs> and i never will scream ah. 2 from 1997 two. directed by wes craven it has an 81 percent critic score on rotten tomatoes and a 57 percent audience score is it just because they killed the film nerd that's weird too that the hmm. critic score is higher i know it's just two points but that's odd yeah, maybe they, I guess they all agreed with uh, Timothy Oliphant's character <laughs> that sequels, plenty yeah. sequels, surpassed the original. This movie, Alex, you have seen uh, Scream Two before, yes, uh, a while ago, and I did not remember most of it. Do Do you remember about how old you were when you saw it? Maybe like sixteen, seventeen. See, okay, that tracks because th- there are so many parts of this movie where I was like, I feel like this imprinted on you somehow. I, I <laughs> really like in that fi- in the film this and not even that like, I don't know there's just some energy in here that I'm like please, I don't know maybe please, it's just please don't tell about me that, that that Timothy Oliphant's performance at the end where you were just like that no. Alex <laughs> no <laughs> that's no, 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 where no, no, no. he gets that from <laughs> you know, the stabbing and everything that's where he starts to make everything better by being what he is that, uh, that weird Oliphant's look in, in his eye. <laughs> Uh, Timothy Elephant's great, and I can't wait to talk about it. Blood <laughs> trickling down his forehead. That's the Alex we know and love. No, um, but just the, I don't know. I feel like there was so many scenes of people talking about Ridley Scott and Empire <laughs> and various sequels that I was like, I feel like that. I don't know. I feel like if if we had your like Slumdog Millionaire moment, we would flash back to you seeing Scream Two at some point. I, I messaged these 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 kids a couple of screen grabs from the movie and I said, I don't know what the ego and the id still mean. I still don't really know what that means, but I'm pretty sure this is Alex's. One of them was Jamie Kennedy going, yeah, Ridley Scott rules, name another. And the other was uh, Timothy Oliphant grimacing, saying, many sequels have surpassed their original. <laughs> and Sarah Michelle Gellar at one point says, that is so moral majority. And I was like, she's playing me. Yeah, this this it's movie amazing. when I I first saw it, it, it left no uh, apparent uh, mm-hmm. lasting images on me. But I guess I, I don't know. I, I guess that is it up dug, for it dug down under. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, let me read the synopsis, to everybody. <laughs> Sydney and tabloid reporter Gail Weathers survived the events of the first scream, but their nightmare isn't over. When two college students are murdered as at a sneak preview of Stab a movie based on the events from the first film, it's clear a copycat killer is on the loose. Sidney and Gale, as well as fellow survivors Deputy Dewey and Randy, have to find out who is behind this new murder spree before they all end up dead. Mm. 
and that's the the whole movie. I like it. Yeah. I, I I have never I've only ever seen the first Scream. And I've seen it twice, but like I haven't seen the ones going forward. I really liked this one. I thought it was was really fun. Alex, you were saying this was sort of rushed to, in, into release. Yeah, apparently it was released just one year after, and I know we've had that experience in the past, particularly with another horror franchise that shall not be mentioned on this podcast, Evil Dies Tonight. Um, X-Men. It, it, <laughs> I mean, there are two bears. There are multiple contenders. Um, but yeah, apparently it, it came out just a year after the first one, and it doesn't really feel like it. No. Well, I wonder if Williamson maybe already had a draft of the script written up or something. Like, I just wonder how much it, it feels like this had, yeah. yeah, was already kind of a vision springing right out of the first one. Like, it feels like they probably just were like, okay, we've got a bunch of ideas as we're making this first one. Yeah. Yeah, let's just get them out there. But not in a way that means the first one isn't a complete movie, but just in the yeah. sense that they were like, oh, if we do a sequel, this is probably what we'll do. Yeah. And they were just able to, to spring right to it, which is because they get, like, I don't think... There weren't any notable omissions from the first no. movie in terms of characters. Like, it, it wasn't weird to me that Sidney's dad isn't in the movie, right? Right. Um, everyone, and they mentioned the them, too. Yeah, yeah. All the major characters who were important in the first movie are back and are, like, characters, full characters in the movie. Um, I was a, a little surprised they killed Jamie Kennedy. I, I, I honestly yeah. was not expecting that. Um, I didn't necessarily mind it, but I wasn't surprised by it. <laughs> He See, actually, I, yeah. I, I feel like it was a bit of a misstep sure. to kill him off that early. Um, right, or that sort of... Especially because we have a fake-out with Dewey later. It's like mm-hmm. he probably could have just had Randy be the one to die in the third act. Um, sure. We can kind of get into that. I think this movie is really interesting. I had seen it really not that long ago, a few years ago. Um, and I had totally forgotten the the twist of who the actual sort of... Sure. mastermind is um like i knew tip the elephant is was a crazy man um but like the particulars of that uh i had like crossed totally my mind and so like i was watching this and i feel like there is a point where all this sort of red herrings and minor characters add up to make it really unfocused uh and you kind of lose track of what's going on like Mickey, uh, Timothy Oliphant's character is he just disappears. Yeah. Uh, like for a good forty-five minutes of the movie, and it's kind of like he's set up as like the only person who really makes sense to be the killer. So when he comes back up, it's like okay, yeah, he's the killer. We haven't really done anything with him for a while now. Fine. And they do a twist that's a lot of fun. Um, but I think it does sag a little there because I do think with all the characters they bring back and like adding in new characters and setting up where every character's head is at and trying to create people who could potentially be the murderer. It does get a little bogged down in itself. Um, especially because we do have, you know, the already the opening, the movie, the movie overall is what two hours. Yeah. Thereabouts. Um, we do have the opening with Jada Pinkett Smith and guy. I know Omar Apps from from House is that the guy? Yeah, that's the only thing I know him from. I think, but I've probably seen him in other things. I just don't remember them. Yeah, he's great. Um, both really good in that that opening. They do kind of a a play on the fact that the first movie has uh, Drew Barrymore Barrymore show up just to get murdered after a fifteen minute scene where she's getting stalked, uh, and this is of course them attending the adaptation of that movie called Stab. Uh, at a theater and getting murdered at the theater after a 15 minute opening sequence discussing this movie that is an adaptation of the events of right, right. the first movie which is so much fun that's that's mm-hmm. a great triple layer like uh, s- there's a lot going on there that is is i think very very entertaining um and we can we can talk about some of that but like we already devote a significant amount of screen time to that uh when I think the first movie, those character or the first movie, uh, Drew Barrymore's character, and I guess her boyfriend, uh, get uh, killed in such a way that it's like that then sets us up for the threat and the stakes pretty well. Sure. This time I, uh, I feel like it is, it's a really nice idea 
and I like the way they do it. I don't know if pacing-wise it works quite as well with the rest of the movie because the rest of the movie is not really as much of a straightforward like murder mystery. It's like there's a lot of of times where characters just get distracted and there's like five different subplots kind of running with different characters. Uh, Lev Lev Schreiber? Lee Schreiber? Lev. Lev Schreiber. Uh, He is uh, hanging around and is fantastic in this movie. Um, But he's got his whole thing that he's going on and he kind of ends up becoming a big part of the third act and uh, there is uh, a lot of there are a lot of people who have stakes in the movie uh and i think that there's a point kind of around the two-thirds mark where i was like i don't know if this is gonna sort of fulfill my expectations or, or uh you know prove my my faith well-founded in this franchise uh and then it, it does swing around and have a great twist at the end but that's where i wanted to start because i i feel like it is probably a little bit bogged down there's there's probably a little bit too much going on in the movie yeah i i, I can agree I, I think that i also really like the the opening um i have another thing about it which is a whole other tangent that we can do sure. a bit later but because I, I i agree i think with randy i understand like the body count's got to be higher as they discuss but also mm. just sort of winnowing down the cast and also if we bring all, if the only people who die are brand new characters, that doesn't have any sort of impact on us. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that it's him instead of like Sydney or even Gail. Right. But, and, and I obviously want Dewey to live. Cause I've decided that I really like David Arquette mm-hmm. in these movies. I like that mm-hmm. character a lot. He's just sweet. And the movie is really nice to him. And I like that. And it, but it did feel kind of like, Oh, Randy's, Oh, he's, he's gone. Like, yeah, I feel like maybe Walking Dead this did this sometimes. I'm like, it's not that I necessarily mind that you killed that character. I mind that we didn't get more of a farewell for that character or more of a. I I don't know. I, I guess I needed that that yeah, thing to have I, a little more oomph within itself. Yeah, it's like I'm not so much left uh, upset about the death as I am like, oh that uh, like how uh, I'm not so much sitting there thinking about it emotionally. I'm thinking about it like, okay, structurally, what does this do for the rest of the movie? Yeah, like that's my yeah, immediate yeah. reaction instead of like feeling the, the gut punch. Um, because saying, I, do, I do think that Jamie Kennedy is, is pretty good in these yeah. two movies in this one. They have him do some impressions and that was a little much. And he mm. randomly does a British accent while he's talking to Sydney <laughs> for a minute. I have no idea why that happens. And that's I fine. was, it, literally i was on i was balancing on one foot on a fence and on the left side of the fence it said love it and on the right side of the fence it said hate it and i have no idea <laughs> yes where i'm gonna fall uh i and and he is our kind of window into talking about the movie on a meta sense yeah um which is sort of made up for it by the fact that the third act does place take place in a film school that's pretty good yeah um, on a I, stage. I, I i yeah i totally like did not connect to those dots the very first time i saw this um so that's fun and we'll we'll dive into that but i i think it would have been nice to keep him around he has a line where he gets cut off um oh yeah about uh how in order to make a make sure your film franchise is successful you have to and then uh i think dewey cuts him off uh and they never resolve that apparently that's supposed to be i was looking this up because i was bothered by it that's supposed to be a joke about like film franchises you can't guarantee that they're going to be successful like, ah. you can't guarantee you're, you can make a good sequel like that's supposed to be kind of like a an end joke there so that is fun um but yeah i i wish he was around a little bit longer to discuss especially because mickey's motivation is supposed to be uh that he is like wants to basically kill a bunch of people and get off on the defense of the movies made him do it um feels like there's more room to do that to explore that of course they then kind of flip that on its head and say no that's a terrible motivation at the end of the movie which uh again this movie is smart this movie is i was worried for a little bit that it wasn't smart and that it was kind of doing a predictable thing and then it wasn't and then i was like right okay that's actually pretty good uh so we'll we'll talk about that but i do think there's some missed opportunities sure yeah i would agree especially I, I, yeah, I would agree. And the first one doesn't really have those. And these don't like really wreck my experience of the movie, but it is, it is notable in a few of those places. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Alex, you good? <laughs> to be honest, guys, I'm a, I've got a bit of 
brain fog going on right now. So I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alex uh, is thinking about his character, his favorite character, Marty from Cabin in the Woods. Uh, <laughs> speaking of brain fog, man. Just kidding. He's not. Um, no. Uh, judge, judge. He's not. Judge, it's okay. My, my thoughts on the film are, are very, very straightforward. Um, <laughs> it's pretty good. Probably not as good as the first one, but it feels like a natural sequel. Yeah, <laughs> like it that is, just that is the it just feels like a natural yeah. extension of the first one, and that's yeah. I, I don't know. Like, and maybe that's just in hindsight of like knowing that this is a long running series, but this mm-hmm. should, this this feels very much like if we're treating them like TV seasons almost. This does feel sure. like season two of a series. Sure, I get that. Was Sarah Michelle Gellar popular at the time? Was that their version of the, we're going to kill off a famous person? I was wondering about that, too. I don't know exactly. This was 97? Yes. So Buffy and, like, I'm not sure Buffy started. Because I wondered if it was for Buffy. I feel Buffy. like Buffy's earlier. Maybe so. by just a hair. Uh, Buffy started in, it started in 97. Oh, okay. So it might have been right around that. Let me actually look up when Cruel Intentions was, because I think that might have actually been. No, it was 99. Okay, never mind. All right. Hmm. I don't know. So maybe um, not. Maybe that was just like a. Oh, or just like, kind of like know, coincided with Buffy. a minor somehow. part. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the, I, the, I was wondering that too, and about um, about her and about, like, I guess Friends had already started. So Courtney Cox was Courtney Cox. Mm-hmm. She makes a time. joke about Jennifer Aniston, which yeah, is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really enjoyed when they show a clip from Stab of Tori Spelling as um, Sydney and mm-hmm. Luke Wilson mm-hmm. as uh, Skeet Ulrich, and I love the wig they give him, where his his forelock of his hair they come out like an, like a half of a foot away from his head. Yeah, I think that's very funny. Um, also, they the way the interviewer and Tori Spelling were sitting was really awkward, <laughs> and it was funny. Mm-hmm. I thought that was good. And it's yeah, and and it's great because. I, I feel like that's very much them playing on they already cast old actors for the high schoolers and now they're like <laughs> yeah, just continuing to, to make the, some some Spider-Man levels of high school actors. <laughs> no, yeah, I um I like maybe it's just because I thought she was so great in the Scooby-Doo movies. I've I never really estimated Sarah Michelle Gellar. I would say under or overestimate her. I never really estimated her. I think she's pretty great. I liked her in this movie. I've, I've talked a lot about how I think she's the hero of the first Scooby-Doo movie. Um, I think she's she's great. And Joshua Jackson is in a scene of this movie, which is wild to me. Look, do, do they ever say what his character is named? They don't. This could be an unofficial Mighty Ducks film. That's all I'm saying. Like, we don't <laughs> was... know what happened after his character. Um, <laughs> they're in, like, a prep school in the third film. We don't know what happens after. See, I, you went for Mighty Ducks. I went for Dawson's Creek. I think we have different Joshua Jackson origin stories. I mean, you can't. I mean, they're, they're all the same character. Like, it's all, <laughs> it's it, all, it all works. Right. And then they all became French. Just don't uh-huh. think about it. It all works. Gotcha. Oh, Josh. I'm I'm over here having a uh, existential crisis because I have never realized before that Owen Wilson and Luke Wilson are brothers. And really, something about you saying that just jogged that in my memory. I have never oh, I've wow. never seen them together in a room, and I was like, you know what? They have the same last name, and they <laughs> look kind of similar, don't they? <laughs> I've, I just had never like combined those two things. So that's my revelation. Maybe one of our listeners will also be like, hey. Huh. <laughs> well, I didn't know. Talking of connections like that, uh, David Arquette's dad is in the movie. He plays the uh, the sheriff for pl- chief of police. Does he really? That's uh, That's funny. David and Patricia Arquette's papa, Lewis. Um, and to that papa, I say, do preach because he had some pretty good ideas. Um, <laughs> but uh, can we talk about Neff Campbell for a little bit? Because I feel yeah, she's awesome. I I feel like she. It's interesting because I I feel like when talking about this franchise, it's easy to kind of not address her all that much. Mm-hmm. But I do think she is very much the heart of this and why this mm-hmm. works. Yeah, she's great. Um, it, it, her performances are very understated, but there's she she 
is clearly hiding like a lot of pain and trauma and stuff, yeah. but she handles herself with a lot of um, self-awareness and, and she approaches, or at least the character of Sydney approaches things very logically for the most part. We'll talk yeah. about the car wreck scene because that is just my man. stupid for some reason. My man. Um, but yeah, I, I continue to like Sydney and apparently they refused to pay her for the sixth film, which is why she's not coming back for the sixth film. Yep. Stop Hold doing on. this. You did this crap with Danielle Harris for Halloween six. Just pay the actors what they're worth. <laughs> yeah. I, um, Hacks. I, to me, it's kind of like when we did the episode on spider verse and we talked so much about the supporting characters and didn't talk as much about Shamik Moore. But, like, he's fantastic as Miles in that movie. Yeah. But it's the kind of performance that doesn't call attention to itself. And I feel like that's what she's doing in, in these two movies. Like, it it's not a, a big sort of look-at-me-look-at-me look at me performance, but it's really strong. And I think she's just, mm-hmm. she's really, really good. And Sydney's a great character. She has one of my favorite lines in the movie, which is, you forgot something else about Billy Loomis. I effing killed him. Yeah. Like it's, it's so good. She has a lot of really good lines. Like, she consistently... Yeah gets good like character defining lines and moments and like i think they even with the the car scene uh i think they paint her mindset really well at any given time uh and i think her her performance is a huge part of that it really does remind me a lot of um sigourney weaver and aliens okay uh and the the alien franchise overall um for whatever that's worth anymore uh like i and they i feel like they sort of are calling attention to that when they have the reference to uh, the ending of aliens in, in this movie. Um, yeah. It's, I, I feel like it's one of the strongest film characters that we've like, in terms of stuff that's like, this is an original character that was designed sort of for sure. a franchise and is then continually gets a lot of good stuff to work with. It's really fascinating that people don't give, her as a performer and this character as a character yeah kind of more credit or i guess cultural capital like i feel like she's great well i think it's easy to look at that performance as just like you can look at scream as a knockoff of other things or a send-up of other things but it's, it's a little more than that and you can you can almost see like oh she's like the jamie lee curtis surrogate it's like i mean the only comparison I would make to her and Jamie Lee Curtis is they're both great and they're both anchors mm. of a franchise. <laughs> like it's not a it's not a like pantomime version. It's not like a store brand version of what she's doing. It's just like another really well handled final girl archetype. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Neff Campbell's awesome. Uh, they 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 followed through with with her uh, shooting. Uh billy Loomis's mom in the head at the end i was i was Mm -hmm. that was that was like a fist fist in the air kind of moment i was like they did it better do it the next time too i did not remember that they did that and i made a joke about that last in the last podcast and i did not remember that happened in this movie uh it's pretty good it's pretty good i will say um this movie very much expects you to have seen the first one like they just yeah. mentioned Stu and Billy Loomis just kind of offhand, and it's like you better know who these people are. Yeah, and the I mean they they do the 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 scene between um, Tori Spelling and, and Luke Wilson. That is uh, the scene where they talk about Billy's mom leaving, which right. is a nice sort of like insert of like here's a reminder. Um, but then they like play on that with having which. I've been talking around this, but the the ultimate twist villain is uh, Billy's mom, uh, which is brilliant in several ways. Uh, and yeah, t- um, Sydney is like calling out like, "Well, you abandoned Billy. Like, what? Why are you like being so high and mighty about you know how you parented him and everything? Like, you literally left." And um, of course, that ties into the twist, sort of, or the the extra nuance from the first movie where Billy says, maybe my motivation this whole time has been because your mom drove my mom to break it off with my dad and leave because your mom, uh, seduced my dad. Basically like that is a really good layering of like, Oh, this makes perfect sense when you pull in this character who we don't really know. How do we make them a satisfying twist 
villain. Uh, it's quite good. Um, real quick, before we get off of uh, Nev Campbell, I just want to say, I, uh, I'm checking her filmography here. I did not realize that she voiced a character called Cassandra in an episode of The Simpsons, just saying. Hmm. Um, she also apparently is going to be in the upcoming Twisted Metal TV series. I did see that. So <laughs> give that to me now. Which I don't even really... Is that like a Mad Max kind of vibe? Is Kinda, that it's like a racing game with an evil clown or something. Okay. Um, I played one of them. I can't remember which one. Uh, she's going to play a character called Raven. Ooh. And Your apparently she, she hosted SNL and the musical guest was David Bowie. So... That sounds a little broken. Um, <laughs> she's great. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to talk before I we, we got off of this too much. I, I want to talk about the opening scene mainly in with, with Jada Pinkett and uh, Omar Epps. So one of the things that this movie, I think one of the best opportunities is. The, obviously, the movie opens with these two black characters being killed. And I during that whole scene, I was like, okay, I wonder... There's obviously this big horror trope about black characters always die, and often they die first, and that's a whole thing. And I was like, okay, this is one or both of them are going to survive, because this is going to subvert that. And then they don't. And I was like, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe there'll be like more commentary about it. And in that opening scene, there's comment... Like, Jada Pinkett is talking about how black characters are treated yep. in horror movies. And I was like, okay, that's, that's interesting. Like we're, we're doing it. And I, I don't mind. I like when these movies just straight up explain what they're doing and just tell you, I, I think that's part of the fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I liked that this movie had, I think four like pr- prominent black characters in the movie between the two of them. Um, Elise Neal was the actress. I can't remember her name, but uh, Sydney's roommate. Howie. And, uh, or Howie. Howie thank you. And then uh, Joel, the the cameraman. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have like these these four different characters, but only but Joel's the only one that survives of those right. four. And there's really no reason for Hallie to die. Again, that's part of the car thing, which mm-hmm. we'll, we'll break it down. Um, much like Halloween Kills, this has a, a car scene that I went, really? <laughs> Except uh, that's the only way in which this movie is similar to Halloween Kills. Otherwise, it is much better. Um, but that was just something that I, I kind of was kind of expecting the movie to comment on more by consciously casting these black actors. I was like, okay, if you're going to kill them, are you then going to talk about why that's a problem in the, in in movies like this? Or are you going to then have like Hallie become some more prominent sort of character to kind of challenge that stereotype. And the movie just never really does much with it. And there's something to be said for the normalization of like, these are characters in a movie and we're not going to tokenize anybody but in a movie like this, it is so meta, and in 1997 as well, it's like, well, I kind of wanted, I, I, because you set yourself up with this, and you already walk a little bit down that road, I wanted you to walk down a little more of it, yeah. um, and to have more discussion of it, or just kind of structurally, like, have Hallie do more, you know, so, I, I, there are people who are smarter about and more qualified to talk about this thing than me, but it's something I noticed and didn't want to, like, gloss over. It does make me wonder if... And who knows, maybe one of the other sequels does this. I'm almost imagining this opening and instead of, and we don't really know who the killer is at the, in that particular scene. Right. Um, but if instead Jada Pickett and uh, her boyfriend end up killing the killer and it's like, oh, did they just... They solved the movie in the first scene. Movie's over. (laughs) And then and then, you know, another killer shows up. But then in the whole big speech at the end, it's like, do you realize how much harder this was? I didn't have backup. I was putting this all together myself. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And 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 to the movie's credit, like the black aside from because Joel is kind of played as like a light comic relief character, but also all the characters are played as smart. Like Mm. he is the one constantly going, This is a dangerous place to be and, and the cameraman he, got killed last time yeah he literally survives because he just leaves the movie yeah he's like, he's I'm like don't, i don't want to do this and hallie's one who's like you don't need to go back to the car like why are we doing this and when when jada pinkett is watching the movie she's like why are you doing any of these things yeah and this was yeah. something that was confusing to me uh that i could have sworn i remembered this movie doing and then it did not and i was like oh okay um and I looked this up and I, I think I just made it up in my head. Um, there's the part where uh, Doobie steps on a box of donuts. 
and yeah. then like in the sounding sound room that I thought was supposed to be because I was thinking like from the third act onward it's like oh yeah the, yeah it's totally the cameraman who's the killer or like helping the killer like I thought it was like oh it's Mickey and the cameraman um was what my brain was piecing together from my hazy memories of this uh and so I thought that donut thing was like a, a hint towards that but I guess it's just kind of a red herring um that confused me a little bit and then also like the footage on the I guess some, another TV starts playing while they're watching the camera footage that Joel Joel gives them um but that confused me a little bit too like I I thought there was going to be more to do with that but yeah he just kind of steps out he's like mm, nope I'm done this is <laughs> this is not okay uh which is fun I like that um but yeah I yeah, I, I think that they could have done more with that. I feel like they probably do in the sequels, but I do not remember for sure. So sure. we'll see. Um, they do have uh, Sydney very early on uh, stop someone who's trying to prank call her uh, yeah. by saying she knows his caller ID. That's cute. I yeah, like that. that was good. <laughs> it's a good like immediate addressing of uh, a way that this killer strategy could not work. Mm-hmm. One, I like the way that she, I like just how they set her up with all of the like reporters are always bothering her and people are always asking her what she thinks about stuff and that she is just so like, she's haunted by it, but she's also just kind of like burdened by it. Of like, mm-hmm. now I got to be like a person who talks about this crap all the time. Like, I just, I'm just trying to go yeah. to school, y'all. Come on. I'm trying to date Jerry O'Connell, which when he showed up, I did say, Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> The Mighty Oak! He's here! <laughs> Kangaroo Jack is gonna save us all! I was gonna say, I know Jerry O'Connell's been in other things. The only thing I've seen him in besides this is Kangaroo Jack. Well, you've seen Kangaroo Jack? I have seen Kangaroo Jack. How long have we been friends and you weren't telling me this? <laughs> I think this is another thing I blocked from my brain. It's just on the list. It's just gone. It's... He, Can we? He does a dance. I know Kangaroo <laughs> Jack does a dance and he raps. And does he actually rap? I thought he didn't talk. I, th- I thought he did. I don't know. I know that was one of the big things that the Michael movie... Michael Shannon is hunting them the whole movie. And that's a, a that's a part of the movie. Oh, God, I'm talking us into watching it. <laughs> you... T- you are didn't there, need to sell me. Okay, now three? now I know every year for Thanksgiving we like to throw something a little off kilter, a little <laughs> mm-hmm. something that that goes a against family values, <laughs> traditional bloody, yeah. American family values, and I think Kangaroo Jack is the ticket this year, guys. So what if the, what if your Thanksgiving movie's been Bone Tomahawk, Hereditary, or uh, Midsommar, Green Room, Kangaroo Jack, <laughs> whatever Ari Aster's next movie is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gracious Speed that's... 2 cruise control you know all, all, yeah, really. they, they all fit mm-hmm. together to mama tambien etc <laughs> i i really like the we're just getting a lot of alex's sort of cinematic like the cartography of his, his cinematic journey i really love mm-hmm. yeah apparently when i hit brain fog the, the 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 brain maybe it's a brain dissection maybe that's the problem yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah the fog is also making way for new truths for you to uncover. Um, but anyway, um, I really love Laurie Metcalf. The act, the actors they get for this movie are crazy. There are so mm-hmm. many people. Portia de Rossi's in this. Like, that's wild. I thought for a while that she and Rebecca Gayhart were the killers. Same. The the sorority girls. I thought that was going to be. I thought the they one. were involved somehow. Yeah. Uh, that have been an interesting subversion of the yeah. first film. Right. And then uh, I really like Larry Metcalf and she's the killer and she's the mastermind of it all. And I was like, that's great. You got Larry Metcalf and she gets to do stuff. She's mm-hmm. amazing. I love her. Also, when Sydney shoots her in the head, she kind of jerks. And I didn't know if that was that she wasn't dead or if that was just like Laurie Metcalf being surprised or something. But it felt like her eyes kind of fluttered during that scene. I don't know. Theories. Well, I know just at least in movie logic, I don't know if this is actually like a real thing or not, but just like when bodies get shot, even if they're dead, sure. they continue to kind of shake when they get hit. So uh, I do like that in that scene, Timothy Oliphant just like gets to do one like, ah, I'm actually still alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just 
plug him. I think Oliphant's really good uh, in this. I just, I enjoy Teen Oliphant. I think that's just a fun stage of his career. And I, it, it kind of made me retroactively more frustrated with Live Free and Die Hard. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because in that, he is a villain given nothing. And yeah, this, he should literally just be this. Yeah. That, that is just what he should be doing. He goes, like, he goes so over the top in the end, in his big ending speeches. And it's so much fun. It's really good. Yes, it is. No, and I think uh, it's the perfect way to handle it. Um, Because Tyler, like you said, when he starts to pull out his motivations and it really is like trite and kind of stupid and you're like, oh, are they really just doing that? Like it's mentioned offhandedly in the, the first film of like, oh, we can... You know, movies, violent movies are the cause of all, all you know, serial killers and crimes in America and whatnot. And the fact that this guy's like, oh, I'm going to use that. That's how I'm going to win my trial for all of this. It's really lame. Mm-hmm. But they 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 compensate for it by having Mike or uh, Timothy Oliphant giving the performance he's giving. Yeah, and then they immediately just pull the rug out from under you. No, this this is not what this movie's about. We <laughs> yeah. promise. We literally, promise, guys. <laughs> literally, it is a violent movie dismissing the idea that violent movies cause people to commit violence. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. When I liked it, this one they just straight up do Jason Voorhees' mom. They just straight up. Like, yes, yeah. that's who did. Which it. is such a good like it, it. It feels like they planned it. It feels yeah. like they were like, oh, if we ever do a sequel of this, instead of having the killer come back we'll have the killer's mom come back we'll flip the halloween or the um friday the 13th thing yeah uh because the the piece of trivia that drew barrymore gets wrong is that uh Jason Voorhees mom is the uh killer in the first friday the 13th and like uh that is so good like just that entire through line bringing her in as as sort of a a secret new character um she plays what is what is her fake name? Debbie Salt or De- something Debbie, like that. Yeah, I think it is Debbie Salt. Yeah. Okay. Uh, who's like the Veruca Salt? <laughs> yes. Uh, who is like following Gale around and uh, trying to uh, sort of insert herself into into the story, so that then she can, I guess, be in the right place to uh, kind of commit all the crimes. Um, and she's yeah, able to pull it off very well the the twist in her yeah. persona cuz when oh, she starts man. off she's very meek and she's she's trying to be proactive and get answers from Gale and all this stuff but it's very clear that like the second that Gale pushes back on her she's like oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that mm-hmm. ah. but then at the end when she's like oh I'm in charge of all this stuff I'm actually the nut job she plays it oh, perfectly she's one Delivers of America's most dependable actors yeah. like she is everything she then she's stellar incredible Lady Bird hacks. She's amazing. Don't they say that? Don't say drop out. Don't they say that that her character and Timothy Oliphant like met on like a chat yeah. room for serial <laughs> no, killers? Like, mm-hmm. it, there was really like a psychopath website for psychopaths or something, and it's so offhanded. They're like, how did this happen? And one of them is like, website for psychopaths. And, and, <laughs> and just it's just like, going. did you know there's only like 57 serial killers active in America yeah. right now? He's he's up and coming. <laughs> and I'm like, that's till too many. I feel like <laughs> there's. Like, there's a like a John Wick type universe right. world building that's yes. right there. <laughs> I also thought you were going to say, did you know there's only 57 websites in 1997? <laughs> I mean, and one of them was devoted and to And one of them was psychopath. Psychopath. I, I mean, one of them's the Space Jam website, but that's that's sure. another story. Right. I, just, I thought that was That's so, actually that was the so same. Good. That's the website. They <laughs> made the comments on the Space Jam website. Yeah. <laughs> Love this. Bugs. So, K-Q-L, K-W-L. Love Taz, rabble rabble. I want to kill people who killed my son. <laughs> hey, let's meet. <laughs> let's chat IRL. <laughs> Did they have IRL in the nineties? Want to want to kill someone? ASL. <laughs> so was Liam Schreiber uh, uh, a popular actor at the time? Like, I don't know because. I find yeah. it incredible that he's in literally some B-roll footage in the first film, and then they bring him back for, like, yeah. a fully-fledged role in this. I don't know when his thing kind of took off. Like, I know he... Like I, I said, can't he got a, imagine. He got a Tony in 2005, I want to say, or four, five. He uh, obviously played Sabretooth in uh, 
one of the Deadpool movies he was in. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. Defiant. Was Ray he Donovan. in a show early on? I don't think he was really like. Yeah. I don't see anything here that was would have been like. Yeah. Unless I'm just not familiar with the movies at the time, but like, it doesn't really seem like he would have been in would have been in anything before that. Like this might have been something that helped him. Sure. Continue to kind of grow his career quite a bit. Um, I really like so. how they play his character. How he's yes. just he's desperate and he wants fame. He's going to try and get his fifteen minutes of fame. Well, and it, specifically the way that it's like he wants fame and he feel like he deserves it because he feels like it's it's what's owed, owed to him for losing a year of his life for yeah. a crime he didn't commit, and that like forces sydney to continue to be involved because she does have guilt over that and like he is pushing on that guilt and trying to take advantage of that and being like you need to help me have this uh you know sort of comeuppance for my for for what happened to me um because you were the one who kind of pushed the narrative that led to me going to jail um and and that works really well in the third act where he ultimately does come in and is basically like should I kill you? She has a point, and you know I could be the sole hero. And uh, Sydney's like, "I'll, I'll do, I'll do the daytime. I'll do Diane Sawyer with you." And he's like, "All right, deal." <laughs> and he kills uh, Billy's mom. It's, it's very good. And then the, I think that is like a nice moment because afterwards, all the media is interviewing them and interviewing Sydney, and Sydney's like, "Oh, the person you really want to talk to is uh, Cotton Weary because he's the hero. He actually, you know." I never would have gotten out out of there without a, if it wasn't for him. Um, they they share like a nice glance, um, and give him the opportunity to sort of spin that tale his own way. Still a little skeevy, but like yeah, it, it's it's done in a way that's kind of like this was a good transaction <laughs> and like sure, sure. and it, it there is like a good human connection there and like they are now sort of reconciled. Um, in a, in a way that both gets rid of the the media on Sydney's back and also you know helps her kind of offload any guilt that she has over that like it's it's nice yeah yeah and he is very, smart. very good in it um, um I, I i i'm glad that dewey lives i wish i had the the, the fake out feels a yes. little a little much like you said we we could have just had randy die in that act and let there be like an actual death and particularly but, because they have to fake out with gail getting shot on yes. right during right. the stage sequence that feels like that should be yeah we one. don't need it yeah. right yeah so like, obviously Derek i'm glad gets killed right. uh and it's kind of yeah. like not really i think i guess he gets shot in the heart but like uh you know going off of movie logic it's like oh you have to you know shot in the chest gotta confirm it sure. <laughs> Stabbing's one thing, but he gets shot. Um, right. So that's a little bit like... It uh, f- feels weird. It feels like we have a weird array of like confirming the kill <laughs> things yeah. going on in this movie. Um, especially because Mickey does get up at the end for half a second. Well, I do like that this movie is very aware of like... We are not going to make Derek the killer. We're not going to make the boyfriend yeah. the killer again. But Sydney would have that like there's a killer. He's my boyfriend. Anything he does is going to raise my alarms. And I think they play with that really well. And the movie does a good job of understanding, of sort of expressing why Sydney feels that way, but also making the audience go, well, what is going on with him? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why, you know, he ran into that house and he's, he didn't get killed. Like, that's interesting. It's, it's interesting that he would want to imitate a Tom Cruise move. I think that's very, um, (laughs) <laughs> sure <laughs> somebody needs to keep an eye on him that's all I'm <laughs> that's one of the warning signs if you ever see if you ever see a child spinning their sippy cup around you know you gotta get them some early therapy if you ever see a, a seven-year-old a- after school like jumping up and down on a couch mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it's a little it's a it's a touch concerning that's all i'm yellow saying. flag yellow flag uh yeah yeah, that that sequence is a little weird to me. Um, we see Derek pretty clearly outside of the house before Sydney yeah. gets attacked, and obviously he was walking out. Um, before that happens, uh, or she picks up the phone, and then like the whole thing happens. Um, 
so it seems pretty clear he it's not him at least for that like he maybe he could still be you know in cahoots but like we see his reaction when he's alone and he's like oh my god what's happening and he, he turns around and runs back runs into the house the first time um so that seems to kind of confirm like it's not him uh and then he goes back into the house gets a cut in his arm and killer's gone um but then mickey tells her at the hospital or the police precinct or wherever they are that like it is he's like it is kind of weird that he went back into the house or like who what kind of crazy person would go back into the house and sydney has a reaction to that of like oh like that that really yeah. like opened her eyes to something um but i didn't know if that was supposed to be like mickey shouldn't have known that he went back into the house at that point and so is that supposed to be was that supposed to be setting her on to his scent or if it was just like oh now she's suspicious of her boyfriend and kind of like then we're going back into that which yeah. they never do anything with that like i said mickey kind of disappears for a while and then pops back up again at the end <clears throat> So obviously that's not what they were going for with that, but that that thought felt weird to me because I was kind of like, oh, shouldn't that be something that she should catch? I mean, like we haven't. He could have learned the story outside of what's been shown on screen, but he he hasn't as far as we're aware. So it almost played like she was suddenly onto him for something. Like <coughs> that threw me off a little bit. Sure. I really like Gail and Dewey together. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. yeah they they actually had really wonderful chemistry and even the scene where they start to get together in the uh the, the lecture hall i was like all right this is kind of romantic all right yeah. i mean it's just nice to be like two characters like each other and yeah, yeah. i don't know no i agree i agree and like also knowing that they were i guess they were together at this point still like that's sweet yeah you know dewey deserves a win yeah, he got he that does. severed like nerve that quite a bit. Yeah, yeah I, sweetie. I mean, he he's a returning recurring character. I'm curious to see if I don't remember if they maintain that he has like the severed nerve that's that's giving him a limp and and sort of limiting the use of his hand. I don't know if there's still if that continues or if they do sort of a I don't know like a like a Rocky thing. I know Rocky sustained several lifelong permanent injuries that go away by the next movie <laughs> throughout, throughout that franchise yeah, don't, uh, don't, don't don't think about the the, the brain damage or, or the right the, the issue with his eye not being yeah, when he got see. his arm bitten off by a shark oh, yeah <laughs> got better um missing his shoes <laughs> you know all the big problems in yeah. rocky uh so I'll, I'll be curious to see if that stays consistent because that feels like a i don't know we'll see um but yeah i like i like how they continue to have him be someone who like is very earnest and and throws himself kind of back into the fray i don't know exactly what deal he has worked with the local police department in this uh yeah they never really explain like is he now like a detective who you know is able to you know loan himself out to this part because he's kind of just like oh yeah i'm part of the crew is he a consultant? We or? never have like a, a discussion about that. And there's and the reporters question Gail about that at one point, I think, and it's not really <laughs> She's like, he's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well <laughs> there's there's uh policies and regulations <laughs> that still have to be followed here. <laughs> yeah. Um Tyler, you you texted us at one point saying, Where's my Robert Eggers movie about Cassandra starring Nev Campbell? Yes. Yeah, that whole play rehearsal section's awesome. And I was like, I also want that movie. Well, and it's such a good, like, again, thing, to me, I think of Sigourney Weaver or or even um, Jamie Lee Curtis in the Halloween movies of, like, this character that has seen the threat, escaped the threat, and immediately is on alert when the threat comes up again and tries to tell to warn people and they don't listen like yeah. making that connection to Cassandra is so good uh i i love 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 that sort of symbolism there that they they've used i like the idea that she is an actor <laughs> like she is yeah. going to acting school uh sydney played by nev campbell is going to act like that's that's great um 
again, the it sets us up to have the entire finale take place in a film school at his college. Uh, that's that's all a ton of fun and very smart. Oh, definitely. And I wanted to talk briefly about the her drama teacher, uh, who is played by David Warner. David Warner is a, has an interesting place in my life. I actually thought about mentioning him on the podcast recently because he died fairly recently hmm. to this recording. And he he was in a ton of stuff. He played Bob Cratchit in a version of A Christmas Carol yeah. with uh, George C. Scott. But he um, he was the bad guy in Tron. Um, but specifically for me, he's very special because he was in a movie they did on Mystery Science Theater called Quest for the Delta Knights. Watch it. It's fantastic. Um, but most importantly, he was on Freakazoid as a, a villain called The Lobe, who is one of uh, TV's greatest villains. One of and, and Freakazoid is a very very special show to me. I think it's it might be one of the funniest shows I've ever seen. Like I really deeply love Freakazoid, and for many many years I refused to acknowledge that David Warner played the Lobe as sort of like an inside joke because it was just such a bizarre concept that I knew him from like this mystery science theater movie and that now he's doing this brilliant comedic character on Freakazoid. Um, but now that he has passed, I'm going to give him the the right sure. and glory and celebration he deserves because he played one of Again, my favorite villains of anything on television. And I I love David Warner very much. And so when he popped up in his one little scene, and which he's quite good. I like him when he's like, mm-hmm. no, you have this. You're an actor. I believe in you and the craft and all this other kind of stuff. Not the movie she was in, but that process of making a thing. Um, uh, I was just like, I feel just happy because I get to look at David Warner. He looks great and he's great. And I love David Warner. Um, and uh, everyone should go watch Freakazoid. And everyone should watch Quest for the Delta Knights. Those aren't my official recommendations, but everyone should watch them. Or else. Or else. Or else you guys are going to have to watch Morbius with us. Yeah, oh. Exactly. <laughs> that's, a, that's a loaded gun if I've ever heard one. <laughs> uh, Britton, talk about the car scene. Tell us tell us yeah. things about, about the dumbest scene. Was it, it's a little odd. So... I, I, there was like a chase. I, I can't remember the exact construction, but basically, uh, the two bodyguards that are uh, helping out Sydney are both trying to drive her and Hallie to safety, and one of them is killed, and the other one is killed. They're, they're, they end up both being killed, and one of the ghost face killers is driving the car that Sydney and Hallie are in, and the car crashes. So then there's a long scene where they don't know if the killer is dead or unconscious and he's breathing maybe and they're trying to get out and sydney has to go through this whole thing where she's like edging around it like they're stuck in the back seat and can't get the doors open so they have to like get up to the front seat and go out the driver's side um and it's kind of a tense little little sequence and sydney like goes to get the mask and it's like no 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 i need to focus on getting out even though you kind of could have done both and well i think um the reason she stops because she accidentally uh puts her hand on the horn oh that's it yeah, and so yeah. she's and like, she's like oh, i'm not risking this never mind yeah yeah and so she gets out and then hallie gets out and they they get a good ways away and then sydney's like i have to go back i have to know who it is otherwise this will never be this will never be done and i was like i mean eh but okay and then she runs back to check and hallie's like what are you doing this is stupid then ha- then of course the the killer is no longer in the car hallie gets killed you know, I it's it's not nearly as senseless and dumb as the car scene in Halloween Kills or I'm sure many other movies. But for for Scream 2, which is otherwise quite a solid picture, that's just a scene where I was like, I'm having a harder time kind of believing like I, I can maybe accept the blueprint of her motivations, but I'm having trouble like really buying them as they're explored in the scene. Yeah, I was a bit. I was questioning the ability of the killer to actually get out of that without them noticing that seemed right. I, I get it. It's, it's cinematic reality and people are appearing and disappearing all the time in horror movies, sure. but this felt like they would have heard the car door open. Come on. Well, it, it felt like a little bit. Of he also would have had to go out the window because I guess right. that's true. The car was locked up, but yeah, they do show. It is nice. Cause they, I guess the idea is that where Mickey gets the gun that he uses? Maybe. Because that... they 
that's another thing I wanted to ask about because I was a bit confused as to why Sydney did not grab the gun and shoot him in the head. She may have just not seen it. I don't know if they have her like actually acknowledge it because uh, there's a bunch of carnage on the front of the car. I mean, they but. show very clear because they show very clearly like the gun is in the dead uh, detective's hands uh, who has been impaled with a steel pole uh, through the head. <laughs> Su- <laughs> surprisingly violent. That was a lot more yeah. Yeah. gruesome than I was expecting. Yeah. Um, and then uh, she gets that and uh or she doesn't get that it's sitting in the guy's hand she gets out when they go back and when she sees you you can see out on the edge of the screen that it's missing from his hand so it's like okay uh, the, i i just made that connection that i think that's supposed to be where mickey gets a gun at the end um which is neat continuation another um, thought i had was if the the killer had a knife on him the whole time like Sydney also would have looked for the knife and stabbed him. That was more what I was thinking as I was or like, even eh. just like grabbed his head and just like slammed it against the eh. window repeatedly or, you know, something. It's, I, I think the, I think it's, it's fine in the sense that like, you don't want to get into a fight with this guy because he's clearly strong and could overpower you. And like, you're in an enclosed space and would basically be no way to get out. Um, but yeah, I was also thinking of that as like, just where where did his knife end up? Did she find sure. the knife? Would that would that help the situation? Um, I do also want to mention that the other detective there uh, is the detective that Sydney mentions kind of offhandedly earlier that uh, he's a, he's a nice guy, but she and he is single, but she thinks he's gay. Uh, um, and then in the in the car, he uh, there. <laughs> What are they talking about? Oh, they ask like, "Oh, where are you? Where are you taking us?" And the older guy who ends up getting impaled on the head is like, "Well, I tell you, but you have to kill you." And then the other guy's like, "Don't ask, don't tell." Oh yeah. Uh, and yeah. then he gets murdered. That's that's uh, LGBT representation in the nineties <laughs> for you. Uh, <laughs> it's just like okay, well, yeah, not not sh- quite Will and Grace. <laughs> I was like, fine, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah, I hadn't even, I hadn't even caught that. I mean, I, yeah, I hadn't even caught that. It, it, yeah, it's very, it, they, yeah. they slip it in there, but I was, I, yeah. that clicked for me and I was like, ah, <laughs> don't know if I like that. Um, what have we not talked about? Beta Ray Bill? Well, Yet, I should say. <laughs> Beta Ray Bill would I'm have I'm saving out of that those car. for when I start my Beta Ray Pil- Bill podcast. There it is. I'm going to spend two hours on every issue that's ever contained yeah. Beta Ray Bill. It's called Beta Ray Mail. It'll be a great... Uh, mm. Well, mm. I mean... <laughs> spitballing. <laughs> we'll workshop it. No bad ideas in brainstorming. <laughs> in Beta Rainstorming. See? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> brought it back around um beta ray bill cast yeah i mean that's you know we, we want to make sure it's clear what's going on this is a beta ray bill podcast by tyler oh uh, yes could, yeah yeah tyler Clar- from tyler clarity is the name of the game here yes i want people to know what they're getting into <laughs> what have we not talked about from screen two <laughs> Was a solid flick. Mm-hmm. I agree. I don't know if there's anything else major we we left out. I'm gonna give it an A minus. I think it's real strong, and I yeah, I think it's good. I'm gonna go B plus. I quite like it. Uh, I think it's fuzzier and not quite as focused as the last movie, but yeah. still very fun, very enjoyable. I think I'm going to go B. Perfectly fine. There we it, go. It just feels like, oh, it's just the next one. Got that. Got that little stair stuff going. Good stuff. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, because I know Williamson doesn't write the next couple of movies, I think. Um, so I'll be interested to see how that changes. I know Craven sticks around, so. 
I could have sworn I saw that he had writing credits on. Oh, maybe he has a story credit or something. I don't know. I mean, he would have had a characters by credit at least. Yeah, it's possible that it could be all that is. <clears throat> well, for my recommendation, I have an actual like movie. I know last week I just kind of mentioned that Kiss Me Kate exists and that there's some cool stuff associated mm-hmm. with it. Uh, this year, I'm gonna or this year. <laughs> yeah. Also, also this episode. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but uh, also specific this episode, I'm gonna recommend. I'm gonna also go back to the '90s, back to 1995, uh, to recommend a movie that's about maybe the scariest thing of all, loneliness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna recommend the picture Fallen Angels. Uh, this is a movie by Wong Kar Wai. Uh, it is. <clears throat> I want to say it was supposed to be like kind of a spiritual follow-up to Chunking Express. I don't know if that's true or if I made that up, um, but it's really cool. And basically, every time I've mentioned a Wong Kar Wai movie on this podcast, I've said, start with In the Mood for Love. That stays true. Um, in the Mood for Love is great. Um, but I think Fallen Angels is really good. It's it's very much more like of an art piece, I think. Um, it's much more driven by theme than by event. Uh, I mean, there are events in the movie. I won't even really try to describe what it's about. There's kind of like two kind of parallel stories that intersect, and it's about people living life in uh, in China, or perhaps Taiwan. And um, uh, it it looks really beautiful. The soundtrack is is interesting. Um, the music is is really good, and sort of at the the center of one of the stories is um, a character played by uh, Takeshi Kaneshiro who's tremendous in it. I think he's maybe the best thing about the movie where he plays this character who is, uh, he's mute and I believe he has chosen to be mute. And he basically breaks into people's businesses after hours and then forces people to be customers of that business. Like, oh, I'm washing your hair. I'm going to wash your hair now. Or you're going to buy this ice cream and just keep making them take ice cream from him. And it's such a bizarre, not bizarre, but it's such a strange character, but it, it's such a, lived-in performance is such an internal performance it's really beautiful um some of the other characters become a little bit more like fashion performances there's a character by played by karen mock who is a lot i don't think it's necessarily bad acting but the character is a lot <laughs> the and that's what i can say about it um for a while i would say it was my favorite one Karai movie i don't know if it still is but i think it is still worth watching um it's just very strange, and I think it's it's a good movie about loneliness because it doesn't necessarily... I think it captures just the kind of spiral of it, the way you just sort of get in the little whirlpool of your own feelings about, like, being so aware of your loneliness and so emotional and desperate about it, and then also being like, oh, I'm fine. I don't need anybody. It's okay. It doesn't matter. I'll just eat at this underground cafeteria. It does. I'm not upset about it. And I think it just does a really good job of depicting that... that vibe so it it may not be it's not a movie that you want to watch every day (laughs) um but i think when the mood strikes it's a good one to to pick up i know this has been kind of a loose uh, recommendation because it's a hard movie to really nail down but i do like it a lot and the end credit song is great Uh, and that is on hbo max and it's called fallen angels alex you got anything i've watched a few episodes of harley quinn season three it continues to be great and Bane is my favorite character ever. Whoa. All right, King Shark. Snap. King Shark didn't get as much to do this season, though. I'm slightly uh, disappointed so far. We'll see if it sure. picks up. But Funches Bane... Funches has been busy. Look, yeah, Bane is the clear highlight. There's a whole running gag of him being upset that they didn't return the pasta maker he gave him for the the wedding that fell apart. It's It's delightful. Yeah, I'm excited to get back to that show. I really like it. I'm still not over it. <laughs> Tyler? Uh, I have not finished anything since the last episode I've started. A few things here and there. I'll probably have something to recommend for the next uh, episode. So in the meantime, I'll just have to recommend uh, Beta Beta Radio Bill, my new (laughs) podcast, uh, where I will uh, rant to you for at least 90 minutes guaranteed about (laughs) an individual Beta Ray Bill appearance and why you should love it and him. Uh, I'm glad we it. landed on the right name for that that show. <laughs> That's yeah, find correct. find it somewhere. Yeah, but if you can't find it, uh, you can find us. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't find it, you can find us on here come the sequels blogspot.com. We are on Twitter at HTT sequels. You can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com. We are on Spotify, SoundCloud, 
uh, all the all the good stuff. Um, we're not on SoundCloud anymore. I went back to my old ways. Spotify and uh, well, you know, Quibi. Probably like Neopets. FM radio. Probably my uh, Game Boy Advance. When you're in an airplane <laughs> and you get Game the, Boy Advance. When you get <laughs> the serious uh, head things in your airplane, in your air, your airplane seat, mm-hmm. you can do that. Mm-hmm. Listen to us as you fly over New Jersey or wherever you're, you're going. You're scrolling between movies on your your Delta flight, yeah. and you're seeing, you know, like uh, Sing Two or Big Mama's uh, House. Yeah, um, you know, uh, Ralph breaks the internet, etc. Yeah, whatever. Um, Wild hogs. Wild hogs. There's there's just a there's just a panel that just is here come the seagulls, and if you, you play it, you just start. Yeah, uh, listening to our first episode, right? All the way Where through, we talk about wild hogs. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I spend the whole time talking about Nev Campbell. And you're like, no, Britain, you watched Wild Things, not Wild Hogs. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. I feel, our... <laughs> frankly, I feel like I feel like the title, either title, could work for this movie. It's our special episode produced uh, for Delta specifically, exclusive to exactly. Delta Airlines, mm-hmm. who is not a sponsor of this podcast. Yeah. But should. I think yeah. it's a good business idea. Please pick up Here Come the Sequels and Beta Radio Bill for your airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler supports the... He thinks, you know, an airplane is a good business idea. Yeah. But hmm. with podcasts, though. Lucrative. An yeah, airplane air- with podcasts. That's, that's the new ad. That's the Take money. to this airplane, now featuring podcasts. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that oh. there's not a... Oh, we have to do like an airplane themed movie. Like we have to do no. flight plan or the Top Gun movies. It's no, 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 no. Wild Hogs. Here's our episode. Listen, I like motorcycles because they're trying to show you how terrible all that gross ground travel is down there near all the yeah. where the where the dirt lives. <laughs> don't want to be up there. Mm-hmm. Hang out in the sky with all the birds and God. Look, as think- Superman said, statistically speaking, it's still the safest way to travel. Agreed. I really love that you chose flight plan. I really love that. Hang out in the sky with the birds and God and uh, your three sequel buddies uh, and Beta Radio Bill. I've been Tyler. (laughs) I've been Britain. There's a movie called Red Eye, right? Oh, yeah. Reggie McAdams and Killian Murphy. I've been Alex and you're having a good night. (laughs) 